Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode 173 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I'm joined today by the uh, the pilot of Thunderbird 5, it's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, mate. Good, Robbie. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I had no, nothing prepared for the intro, and then you've come on wearing a uh, a, a nostalgic Thunderbirds uh, Go t-shirt from the, uh, the the 1960s marionette puppet hit. Yeah. No, well, yeah, you couldn't tell that you hadn't prepared an in, uh, intro, mate, for sure. It was uh, seamless. Same, seamless, that's great. But, but yeah. you've, just, you've just come in for a run yourself, mate. You're all... Uh, you're all, um, you know, hotty, hot and sweaty, and uh, I'm and, in the active like, wear, like, mate. I'm yeah, all, right. I'm all yeah. active weared up. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, um, you're really, really working up a sweat there. You know, all those. I think all those people that I, um, um, all those, all those people over the years that I, I told that you, you couldn't sweat because of that incident in the Falklands War. But, but anyway, look, we we'll oh, no, no, I got, got my sweat scared away. <laughs> no, no, I've gone. Can't you go and get injections now to go and try and help out with your with, with your sweat, like a little, you know, a little, little bit of bobo when you're in your pits? Bobo, bobo. Maybe I'm pits. not sure. What's I'm bobo? Not sure. Is, that, is that that? Oh, I thought you mean those big, big bows, like a. Oh, the, the feather bow. bow. No, seaweed, seaweed, Jojo, Jojo bows. Jo- like oh, the large... Jojo bow. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yes. I remember. Um, yeah, uh, back when Camille was in prep, that was when the uh, yeah. when the JoJo bows were on the on the go go. So, yeah. and I I just saw these little girls walking around with these big white things, looking like they're the Easter Bunny. I go, Christina, what am I missing here? She goes, Haven't you heard of JoJo bow? I was like, No, no, it's not not in my wheelhouse. Clearly not, clearly not. Now this week at work, mate, had um interesting, well, a sad sort of case, I suppose. We um we are um obviously near Albert Park Lake, and they have a lot yeah. of swans swans at Albert Park Lake, and um. And unfortunately, a client brought in a little signet um, that, um, and uh, Indy, Indy, the nurse, sorry, trainee nurse, she doesn't like yep. calling a nurse. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and uh, she brought in, said, Lewis, you really need to look at this signet. Uh, look, it doesn't look very good. And she said, if I've not cardboard box had been brought in, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't good at all. Unfortunately, you know, um, a large portion of its beak had been attacked. It'd been, oh. Apparently it was at uh, been abandoned by by mum, so the story goes, and um, and was being attacked by some ravens um at at, at the Albert Park. So they brought it in. So unfortunately, um, you know, very quickly got a little bit of a pain relief in, some little bit of gas anaesthetic, and then um had to euthanize the poor little little bird. So it was a terrible thing to see because how big was it? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Probably probably twenty centimeters long, I suppose, or oh, maybe thirty centimeters long. So oh, wow, yeah, quite okay. quite you know, yeah, not 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 just hatched. I don't think probably been around a while, but, but um, interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not sure if it'd been perhaps initially attacked by a dog and then the Ravens had come in, but uh, it was missing sort of part of its face and its beak. It was really, really quite horrific. And, mm. and so of course I had to, um, you know, I had to euthanize it, um, you know, pain relief. And then I thought, I don't know if you remember, mate, but I wasn't sure if I needed to inform someone that I'd euthanized a swan, you know, oh, okay. um, because, well, cause I know in the UK, well, I thought I knew in the UK all the swans are owned by the Queen. Right. Okay. 
and so they're very protected. Yeah. And uh, and you know, there's very strict rules about what you what you're allowed to do and what what you're not not allowed to do. So I thought, well, I better just Google and make sure I don't need to ring the Queen and say, look, unfortunately, unfortunately, signet number three seven five four two X didn't hasn't made it. Um, we've had to, you know, it's it's sort of unfortunately. So I, I googled it, and then and it seems that the Queen only owns the unmarked mute swans. Mute swans. Yeah. And so, so the ones I, that can't say anything. Well, I, I could see it didn't have any like markings on it. It was no yeah. band or ring on its foot or anything, any markings at all. But but there was a bit of a dilemma because now that I'd euthanized it, I couldn't actually determine if it was mute or not. Because well, it was mute. Yeah. Now, well, obviously. Well, at that point, well, the fact that it was missing half of its mouth, would that make it a half mute? Or well, is, that, yeah. is that in bad taste to make that joke? <laughs> well, it's all bad taste, this joke. Yeah. I think. So so I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sort of. I was a bit, a bit confused as to, you know, what what was a mute swan. Yeah. Um, what what was a mute swan? I guess the type of swan. I didn't go into that, but uh, good to know. In my research, I found that um, in the UK, swans are no longer eaten. Oh, good. that's good. Good. That's good, good for the swans. Good news for the yep. swans. And a protected species. And a bit more concerning, but luckily, only hundreds hundreds of years ago, there were severe penalties for injuring or killing a swan. Oh, really? Right. No, I mentioned the penalty for euthanasia. No, but that's I think, good. I think putting them out of the misery is probably okay. I it's hope. Probably so. all right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, I, th- I think it would have been. I think it would have been all right with that one, Lewis. I think you'd be okay. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was very. It was actually really sad. It was um we uh, you know, such a cute looking looking thing and um yeah to to uh, uh to put it out of its misery. Anyway, so yeah. uh, how's your week, mate? Any <laughs> uplifting yeah. stories from there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to um you know uh, ask you about. Uh, something. So I went, I was going for a jog the other day and I was, um, as I was coming home, there was a, a lady walking down the street. She had, she had dyed blue hair. She was walking yes. two dogs. Uh, one of them was like a little, uh, little, little, little shit zoo sort of variety dog. Um, and it's, uh, it's tail hair was dyed the exact same color as her, as her blue hair. So, you know, um, and I thought, oh, well, you know, that's a, an, an interesting statement to make that here's my little, little, little Shih Tzu and its little mop of hair is the same as the mop on, you know, admittedly she, she'd made it its, around its tail rather than around its head. Um, but as I was running up to it, the dogs then go, and tried to have a red hot crack at me while I was, um, uh, while, while I was running. And, yeah, you know, I thought, okay, again, once again, it'll probably make a little bit of a, a statement there of about what, what the sort of dog's like. But uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the, um, the the cosmetic dyeing of of dog's hair, mate? You know, especially where you're just going for the same Smurfy blue. I know you do like, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're fond of dyeing yourself with a blue Smurf, but, you know, it doesn't have to be blue. But where, where do you stand on the dyeing of uh, animal's hair for the sake of, uh, you know, matching it up with your own? Yeah, it's interesting. We um, well, I wondered if if you had a chat, she might have just had a bit of an incident where we we're now at home doing a bit of self dying over the sink, the bathroom sink, and we've just dropped the dropped the bottle and it's bounced and just landed on the dog's tail. Maybe I mean, you know, there's always always that, but or painting a, a feature wall might have been painting a feature wall. Oh right, and she rubbed her hair on it, and then yes, the dog yes. swept past. Yeah, well, right. well, the, the dog was she was actually painting the ground. It turns out the dog's got anal gland problems, and it was rubbing its bum along the ground, and ended up <laughs> right. dog, yeah, getting its getting its tail blue that way. Well, yes, you used to have a couple of neighbours down the road, a couple of guys uh, that lived together down the road that had a little white fluffy dog, and they used to dye it with uh, a sort of a beetroot. They used to oh, make right. some sort of beetroot kind of. Uh, 
concoction, I suppose, and yeah. bath the dog in it, and then it'd be coming up as a pink, as a pink dog, and that suited, I think, their uh, their certain lifestyle and what what yep. they like like to portray. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I don't think it's a huge thing. I think a lot of people get jump up and down about people dressing their dogs up in costumes and that sort of thing, and and it's anthropomorphizing the dog, and and I. I I sort of think it's it's it can be a bit of harmless fun, really, as yeah. long as it's not making the dog anxious or the pet anxious. I mean, yes. you get some some dogs that you put a costume on, and they just freeze and they're yeah. like, I'm just not moving. Uh, they're like that. It's so funny. Let's take some photos for Instagram or let's put it on on the Tok Tok or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and um, but they're really not enjoying it, and it's quite an anxious thing, and they've shut down. I don't like that sort of thing, but I think dying just a dog's tail just because. Uh, just because you think it looks cute, I'm not sure. I have a huge, as long as it's not a non-toxic dye, perhaps I should say that as a vet. Be a, that, yeah, 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 fair yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your thoughts, mate. You're not you not not a fan. Was it was it because the dog didn't like the smell of your sweat as you ran past and got a little Possibly, bit upset? Was yeah. that it? Yeah, the, the pheromones that I was giving off that it took <laughs> it took offence to that. Um, no, I, I, I to be honest, I every now and again you see a dog with it, uh, and. And you kind of stop and look quizzically and think about it and go, ah, I wonder. And then, you know, all the other important things of life actually jump into your head and you realise, you know what, it doesn't, it's probably irrelevant. But, you know, as I was trying to work out what things to talk about, I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about that. Yeah. Quick, quick, quickly just jot it down in the notes in your iPhone and just remember it for the podcast. Yeah. No, oh, the good. podcast topics. Yeah. Dog, dog with blue bum. Yeah. It's on there. I'm going to delete that one off now. Now we've used it. Um, but also at work this week, I was a bit more, you know, uh, in, interesting topically. You're actually seeing a real run on dogs that have torn their cruciate ligaments at the moment. Oh, okay. We've, we've seen a heap of them, um, which is interesting because last year, as we we're coming out of lockdown, we didn't actually see that many, but this year we're seeing probably one or two a week, which is, um, which is kind of, I mean, we're busy, you know, so I guess you're always going to see, if you're busy, you're going to see the things you see commonly more often. Mm. But I think we think we have seen more of them this year than what we have last year. So yeah, that, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're not really coming out of lockdown, are we? Maybe it's just the spring thing. People actually going out. Okay. Coming out and, like and exercising. Mm. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's interesting, mate. Well, we've had, speaking of business, there's been a few clinics, haven't there, that have, uh, that have come up uh, that, have, that have closed um, around in Melbourne for, yeah. for tier one sites and that sort of thing. So there's uh, one in Melton, I think. And then the Lord Smith animal hospitals closed for, oh, I don't know how long for, might yeah. be open by the time this podcast comes yeah, out. It comes but, out. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but it's putting a massive strain certainly on our area, um, you know, in a, in a city, I suppose that um, yeah, we just, we're just so busy, you know, we are, you know, three days ahead booked up, um, you know, five, half a dozen people on the waiting list sort of thing. I think some of the emergency centres are just sort of really triaging now and actually not seeing patients that aren't emergencies. You know, yeah. the dog that's got an anal gland problem, probably send that off to Waverly, Waverly Animal Clinic the next day for, for Sean to, to, you know, double yeah. book him for, for that. If, just if, if we can get him in too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is a big strain. So I guess, you know, a bit of a shout out to... To the listener out there, that if you, if you are trying to get a vet appointment, you know, we're having people sort of ring up that um they are um uh, you know sort of saying to us, oh, I come to your clinic, my dog's you know got um, it's itching or something like that, and or or I need a dental for my dog. It's like, well, okay, well, dentals we're booked up, you know, at least two or three weeks in advance. Yeah, you know, we probably need an appointment to see the vet first. Blah blah blah. Um, or maybe itching and they, you know, get, they get all incredulous on the phone and very upset with the receptionists and the nurses, which is not ideal for morale. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I'm going to ring the other clinics and get booked in there. 
All right. Well, sure. Yeah. We, we don't want to lose you, but yes, we appreciate you need to, you want to get your dog seen. It's, it doesn't appear to be emergency. Um, yes. You know, and undoubtedly they ring back 20 minutes later and they go, ah, so that appointment um, for, you know, next week. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that one. Thank you. And you know, yep. a tail between their legs. So yeah, just be understanding that all vets are under the hammer. We will try and see you. We, we'll, we'll do our best definitely to get you in if we think it's emergency yeah you know, there's no no doubt about it but uh but sometimes for the the non-urgent appointments they're gonna have to be put off a little bit i think certainly from our perspective oh for sure like we've had um you know we've actually had a run at the moment of where people ringing up like new clients ring up so i obviously can't get into their clinic but then they'll um they'll ring up and make an appointment but then they don't turn up yes we're so, getting that too yes yeah yes and so what I think is happening there is that these people are ringing around like four other clinics mm. and just taking whatever appointments they can, getting in somewhere, and they're not actually ringing up and cancelling no. their appointment. So, yeah. so we've yeah, had that's the- interesting. Yeah, that yeah. you got that because we got that too. So we'll like a new client for say a puppy vac. We'll do like generally a two double appointment. Yeah. So you put them in double appointment and then they don't turn up. And you're like, oh, so there's a double appointment. There's two people we've. Could have got in. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting you're saying that, yeah. And and so it's been interesting, like, so um, my practice manager, Lynn and I, we've been sitting there trying to work out how we can try it because obviously the nurses hate it because they've gone to the trouble of booking someone in. Yes. And especially if it's your client, you've got them to fill out all the stuff and you've mm. gone and entered everything on the computer. So you've spent, they've already spent time on them to get them in. Um, that's taken up our uh, visit time that, as you say, somebody else can't get in and see. Mm. And then when they don't turn up, then the nurses have to bring them up again and go, are you coming? Because then we can't have them turning up mm. late because then we've already got the next lot of people coming in. So, and then they go, oh, yeah, no, no, we, we don't need that appointment anymore or something like that. And so it's like, well, you know, where's the, what, how do you try and discourage that? Yeah. Because, you know, like it's really difficult to try it and work difficult. out how to do it. And yeah. so some of the, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so like we we have obviously we sent a text message before the appointment to try and confirm it, but now we're trying to ring people and it's sort of difficult because if you ring ring them and they don't answer, you're yeah. not sure are they not answering because they don't want to talk to you or are they just don't answer their phone? Yeah. Um, and we had a few where they haven't answered. We're like, do we book something in there? And then they've turned up. And we're like, oh jeepers, you know, lucky we didn't book yeah. something on top of that. So it is is really difficult. I, I thought maybe you know for new clients you could take like a like a credit card or something like that, but I'm just, yeah. Is that what you so, yeah. so, so, so that was what um, one of my ideas, like no, no, no I'm not, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel on anything, Lewis, but I'll just come out with ideas like a scattergun and maybe one of them will stick to the wall. And that was one of the, one of the ideas that I came up with of saying, right, well, do you, do you take a prepayment for the consultation mm. of the new client? So at least then that way, if they don't turn up that, you've got the, the consultation paid for, you know. Yes. Um, well, and, and an incentive for them to turn up in a way. To you know, actually like, yeah. turn up, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Um, and the Good sort of work the meeting on the, on the podcast, mate. This is great. I'm yeah, sure I know. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the well, ins well, and outs I mean, of the vet well, clinic. Well, I'd be interested in the in, in the listeners, um, you know, thoughts on what they, but, but we decided not to do that because we thought, well, A, the nurses don't want to be saying new clients and no. can I have your credit card yes. details. Yes, um, so, so what we've what we've sort of done now is we've got a text message that we send them the morning of or just before their appointment and say, to confirm your appointment, please text back yes and your pet's name. So then that way we know that you are coming and you know, non-arrival fees will apply if you if you don't turn up. So yeah, you know, yeah. and then whether or not it, it happens or anything, it's really just a thing of just to try and say, well, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna turn up 
please cancel so that we can fit someone else in because we've got so many people oh, who no. are lining up trying to get oh, seen. No. I know, yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Anyway, mm. anyway, but, but big thank you to our uh, sponsor, Zilkeen, uh, big supporter of the show. Uh, the mild anxiety lowering medication. They've now they're committed for another twelve months, mate. So oh. good news there. Good news there, isn't it? Thank you very yeah, much. Good people at Zilkeen. Thank you very much. What, the a, what old, a pack the, of legends. The, yeah, exactly. The the um the old uh, those guys at Vetakinol with uh, Zilkeen and Sonatix, the ear cleaner as well, that we don't talk about a lot, but we certainly use a lot. Um, I think we just talk about Zilkeen because that's my favourite because it's behaviour yeah. based. So I've actually got so, a um, I've, I've got a, a story coming up in the news section that uh, that possibly Zilkeen could have been uh, usable uh, usable in. So very nice, very nice, and also a big thank you to Delicate Care. Uh, the Australian-made, Australian-owned uh, food um, that you can get at your vet clinic. I've got some great, great products. We get it. Um, it's just flying out the door um, at the moment, particularly uh, uh, for the skin and stomach. I really love that for the dogs that are, that have got a bit of gastro or they seem to be sensitive to whatever fang- fangle food they're on from the pet shop. I always know I can put them on the skin and stomach and that'll settle things down. So well, the, thank you the, very much. The really good thing about the skin and stomach is because it is a, a novel protein diet, you know that, yeah, and we and there you can trust what actually goes in there. You know whether it says on the packet that it is duck and kangaroo. It's duck and kangaroo. There's yeah. not going to be any chicken in there. There's not going to be any lamb in there. So if you're do, wanting to do a novel protein diet, you can be very confident that those are the proteins that are in there and nothing else. Exactly. So, which guarantee. You can guarantee there's no swan in there either. Just for the listeners that might be segueing through as we go along, there is no swan. No, 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 zero, zero swan in there. No, 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 (laughs) no signet variety. And anyone who's just listened in, just joined the podcast at this point. Welcome. Just go back. Yeah, welcome. Firstly, welcome. And please do go back to the original story where we do talk about swans and the Queen of England. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers as well. Um, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you can go to patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets, and you can join up. Um, Lewis and I are uh, talking about doing some Patreon-exclusive videos coming up soon. So we will actually have some pretty cool content for Patreon um, coming up. So watch this space. Um, and, and, and and we've got a stack of stickers that we can send out as well. We have got a few stickers and a t- we get a t-shirt if you if you pay for it. T- yeah, I think something like that. <laughs> anyway, look, I, I mean, you know, just uh, the news this week, mate. On, on this show, we we don't shy away from the big topics, do we? No, Robbie? no, we don't. Yeah. No, we're hard hitting, Lewis. Hard yeah, hitting. We, we. I mean, we we tackle the difficult journal articles. I mean, sometimes we do get confused about yep. what what the article means and and understanding what they're it trying or, to get at yes yeah, yeah. yeah um and, and 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 we we try and work our way through it and i'm sure we bamboozle ourselves and we bamboozle the listener and uh um for instance i'm sure you remember when we discussed the article from the journal of veterinary behavior in, that was entitled evaluation of maternal filial stress in a dairy goat herd with small ruminant lentivirus in the infection in the brazilian northeastern semi-arid region yeah, I remember. I remember you came up with a really cool acronym for that one, didn't you? Can you remember what that was off the top of your head? Not off the no, top. No, of no, you can't. Enough. No, right, not off your top of your head. Now, fair no, enough. Fair enough. But that right. was a deep dive, really. You no, know, and we we really got to sunk the teeth in. Yeah, yeah. Or, or equally on the on the more cerebral episode, we did a deep dive into the journal article by 
uh, Docks, Bacon, Bundell and Saunders. And you, you probably, you already know where I'm going with oh, this absolutely, one. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that one, that one, of course, was called Accelerated High Frequency Repetitive Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation Positively Influences the Behavior, Monoaminergic System and Cerebral Perfusion in Anxious Aggressive Dogs, a case study. We, we can <laughs> briefly about that one, I, didn't we, mate? I, I remember that. But and and how how good was it for the for the doctors that did that when they uh, they go to back? Yeah, it was probably pre COVID when they were going. They go, oh look, I'm writing a journal article. Oh really? What's your article called? Yes. Yeah, it's like well, what's here your, we go. What's your PhD called? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, a yeah. uh, shout out to my dad actually, who uh, who had a long PhD article uh, title. <laughs> uh, and and of course, but that brings me today's cerebral journal article. Awesome. What have you got? I thought perfect. I thought again from the journal of veterinary behavior um, written by, uh, written by Ayer, Triu, Marshall, Cavalier, Miller, Goyen and McGrain et al. Um, Gee, they, and, after all that, they still got et al. There were still more names that they couldn't well, attach on there. No, I added that on. Oh, you added it. Okay, yeah, right. Just in case I got missed some names. And, uh, and the article, the, the cerebral article we've got today, which, we're going to try and get our, our head around. We're really going to try and deep down at the title of the article, Aging Cats Prefer Warm Food. Awesome. Awesome. I like it. How, how, how cut and dried is that one? How it's right succinct. there. There's, 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 no, there's, no, um, there's no burying the lead on that journal article, Lewis. It's right there. There was no need for me to read on. It was like, no. it was like a gift from, yeah. from the journal <laughs> gods themselves. A journal gift. How exactly. good would that be? Yeah, it was. We could, you could revolutionise veterinary literature by just putting it all as a gif, a twenty-second gif, <laughs> a gift, gift, gif, a gift. Oh, gift. But it could be oh, a gift. Just a gif. Yeah, gif is a gif or gif. I get confused. Oh, anyway. Potato, potato. Mate, so I thought, I thought we're in our forties. The kid, that's not up to us. Isn't that fantastic? Of all the articles that we do, that I, we struggle to meander through and try yes. and work out. You know, uncontrolled, unplanned, un whatever it is, the last yep. one we really similar. Aging cats prefer warm food. Love it. You don't, you don't need to read it. You don't need any more. But yep. they do have a little section, highlights. And this I liked as well. Highlights are good. Yes. yes. Thank you. Aging cats greater than seven years. Okay, yes. Like that. Significantly prefer, prefer warmer wet food. So they prefer 37-degree food. Oh, they've tested the temperature of it too. More than 21-degree food. Right. But then again, more than 6-degree food. Right. So don't pull it out of the fridge. Yeah. Or don't leave it on the bench. But just a little, little, just a little uh, 15, 20 seconds. You can sit watt, on it. 1,000-watt microwave. Yeah. Just warm it. Just warm it a little bit. Or put it put it under your armpit. It's right. Under your that armpit might, for a bit, that, yeah. That might, that might warm it up, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, just, just exactly. sit that in there and then go for a jog around the footy over with it to help to warm it up or, or yeah. microwave, whatever's going to work for you. Well, it's probably going to be pretty wet, you know, just going by your, you know, Prince Andrew thing you got going yeah. on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th there were significant changes in 11 of 15 volatile compound chemical classes. Now, okay. Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa. First two, first two lines. Yeah, yeah, first two lines, easy. That line, not so much. I'll skip no. that one. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Must mean it smells better. It smells better, I reckon. Gravy viscosity was Ooh. almost the same at three temperatures. Okay, so right. Didn't get any more liquid. Once you boiled that gravy at 37 degrees, well. Not, not boiling. Quite, not warm quite. It. 
not, yeah. not, not quite Kelvin, is it? But, you know, it's getting there. So I guess they're just saying it doesn't change the thickness of the gravy. Yep. Warm, wet food may increase attractiveness of the flavour profile for ageing cats. Yeah. I actually preferred ageing cats prefer warm food. But, okay, redo it. Put, yeah, it, yep. put some fancy words. Flavour profile. Yeah, all right. Put it in there. Warm, wet food can help promote food consumption in ageing cats. Yeah. That's another easy one. It's a study. It's a PhD. It's sponsored by Big Kibble. Big, 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 big kibble. Yeah, several yeah. big kibbles. Oh, several so big kibbles. Obviously, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. But um, but we've always known that. Yeah, that is that that's in the that's in the hors d'oeuvre section of research, isn't it? Oh, it is. I think so. We let that first year vet, mate. Or even when you first graduate, you go, cat won't eat, try warming the food. Yeah, try, yeah, yeah. Try, yeah. Oh, I did anyway. that and he loved it. Oh, yeah, well, there yeah. you go. That's right. And then, <coughs> gesundheit. <coughs> oh, you. my goodness, gesundheit there. So he can sneeze as well. Not only can he sweat, he can sneeze. Sweat and too. sneeze. Any orifice, great or small, it's coming out of me. And then, as if there wasn't the first journal gift. Yes, gift. That I got. I got another one on Facebook. <coughs> Oh wow! Oh, that's a third wow, one. I almost hide oh, in there. It must be the um, it must be to take a, a small quote from the article. It must be a, an increase in volatile compounds in your environment there, Robert. Yes, that's, uh, that's um is uh is is setting off your hay fever there. It's feeling particularly volatile my my respiratory tract at the moment. <laughs> so I've got this gift, like a second gift. Yes, on like Facebook. Christmas. That is, yeah. and this one you might sense where it's going when it says it's from the journal. Of catalogical sciences. Catalogical science. Yes. There we go. Not categorical, yes. catalogical. Catalogical. And not not scatological either. Yes. For those who have a particular kink out there. No, <laughs> it's not. Uh, title, Are Cats Good? An Important Study. Yes. Right. Cats are, okay. Are yeah. Cats Good? Is well, Cat Good? Yeah. Yeah. And. I did think they put some names on here. I did think maybe they could work on the names. They put Patrick J. Owen and Severine Lamont. Now, I was given the nature of the article. I was hoping for something like a a Michael Oxmall or a yes, know, or yeah, a, yep. a, something else that uh, you know something, something like that. But anyway, yeah. from the from the Deacon, from Deakin University down here at Geelong, uh, abstract. So the abstract for those who don't know just gives a little little sousant, little summary of the article. Yep. Abstract. Cats have four legs. Good. Cats can purr. Yep. However, d- science does not know if they are good. <laughs> we well, know dogs well, are good. What definition are we talking about well, here? This, yes. yeah, this is where it must come in. I mean, we know dogs are good because they're like, oh, he's a good boy. Oh, he's, he's a good, good boy. Yeah, there he's you go. Good. You're right. Yes. Therefore, we sought to determine if cats are good. This was a consensus opinion study. Between the two scientists. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so they've uh, deep dived. It's you and me, mate. Yeah. Our cat's good. They've just had a chat about it. Yeah, a consensus yeah. opinion study. Hey, hey, Frank. What? <laughs> Do you think cats are good? Yeah. So we've got a consensus? Yep. Beauty. That's another Let's paper do done. Let's do a PhD. Woo. Sensitivity analyses were not considered. No, because they weren't needed between two people. Results demonstrate that cats are good. (laughs) (laughs) 
limited sample size and use of anecdotal evidence may have been limitations. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Anecdotally, do we think cats are good? Yes, because there's no other metric measurement of good. In conclusion, it appears that cats are good. That is that that is spectacular. What a what a wonderful paper. And well, was that it goes, it, was on. That the, oh, it goes on. It goes on. So I don't think we're ending there. We've no, got a whole we're uh we've got another 30 minutes to fill in back. We've got, got an end credit scene. Yeah. This, is, this is grit. Introduction. A cat is a four-legged creature. And they give a reference. Correct. Cat et al. 900 BC. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they were invented. I like it. I like it. Purring is odd. But most people can just deal with it. <laughs> Asking too many questions regarding purring is not recommended. No studies have examined if cats are good. Yeah. Therefore, the aim of the current study was to determine if cats inherently good. <laughs> two methods. This was a consensus opinion study between two scientists, Patrick J. Owen and Severine Lamon, the authors. Yep. Both were asked if cats were good. <laughs> If consensus was not achieved, a series of a series of egg and spoon races were held each Sunday morning until opinions align. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like, the way, sounds like the way that they um they they crown that uh, each pope as well. <laughs> yes, a couple of puffs of smoke, eh? Sensitivity analysis are a good idea, but beyond the scope of this scientific endeavor. I'm pleased they know the limitations. Good. That's yes, like absolutely. Us. Results collectively. 100% of opinions suggested that cats were good. No egg and spoon races were held. Were held. Oh, that's a shame. No need to. Consensus. That's a shame. And they had the materials and methods there. They're all, all set up ready for it too. Discussion. The current study showed that when compared to robust study designs, a two-person consensus appeared satisfactory for identifying <laughs> that cats are good. Perfect. A previous auto ethnographical study oh, gee, by, gone, got techno babble on that yeah by cat lady et al 2009 <laughs> right attempted to answer a similar question to the current study yet the authors are only able to conclude that cats were not an inverted commas not good right and so the double <laughs> negative yeah they couldn't yeah. determine they were good but they could say they weren't not good yeah copy that yeah right this double negative was less than helpful and may in part explain why cats do not currently have voting rights in the majority of developed nations. That, that would explain it. That would explain it. I mean, it's, uh, there's nothing worse than a double negative when it comes to voting rights. <laughs> Conclusion, cats are good. Future studies may benefit from asking cats for their opinion. <laughs> Acknowledgement. It turns out cats don't care whether they're good or not. No, but probably they don't give us stuff, do they? <laughs> no. Acknowledgements. The authors wish to thank their cats, and so do we. Thank you for the content. Very well done. There I you like go. That a lot. Right, Very yeah. good comedic, I would, I would good like stuff. to see a rebuttal study on that from a dog as to whether or not the dog thinks that cats are good or not. Oh, yes. They, that could be the third opinion. Yes. And if the dog didn't agree, it would have to have an egg and spoon race. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but don't oh. no no swan eggs were harmed in the making of that journal in the uh in the the science that went behind that journal. I just wanted to to run that run Excellent. that by because because there was uh, in hundreds of years ago you could be jailed for over a year for stealing a swan egg. So I just want to lay that yeah. lay that there for With and some- listener if you've just joined in and you've just heard that little swan bit. Please go back to the start when we did discuss 
mute swans mute and it'll swans. make more sense to you. But welcome. Mute swans. Um, it was the, oh, I, can't, I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Mate, you're having a good day of it. Yeah. Excellent. All righty. You got something? Uh, yeah. So um, did, what did you think about the, um, the the freak storms that we had here in Melbourne during the week where we had the hailstones and all that sort of stuff? Oh, we didn't get it our way, mate. It's the uh, Port Melbourne umbrella, we call it, where uh, it's ah, always, right. always sunny here, mate. Or, or, always, it's always sunny in Port Melbourne. It's always sunny here, mate. Why bother yes, having it. a beach if it's not going to be sunny all the time, mate? <laughs> it's eh? spot on. Uh, the beach, I'm there every day. That's oh, it, mate. You know nice, it. Yeah. Right? Um, so tell so, me about these crazy storms you had at your way. Well, well, it's actually yeah. So we so we had um, hailstones and all that sort of stuff. But up in uh, New South Wales, they had even worse storms up there. Um, residents recount terrifying moment: Bathurst tornado destroyed their homes. Oh yes, I saw yeah. in some vision of this. Yeah, yes. go on. So a tornado tornado that shredded Scott McKinnon's property had winds so strong that they picked him up. And he says he clung to the kitchen bench for his life. When wow. the 115 kilogram tree lopper landed back on his feet, the scenes outside the window were unexplainable, he said. You could see the cows spinning about 80 feet in the air with the debris. Whoa, that's cool. So that's like that's full on, you know, cartoon um, stuff. Ha- Helen Hunt, you know, uh, uh, Twister <laughs> style from the nineties. I mean, you might not have watched that because it might have been a little bit, you know, a little bit scary with the with all the big winds and stuff. For no, you, just a bit dull, really. No, yeah. no, a bit dull for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, not enough character development. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hang on, 115 k's. 115 kilograms. Scott McKinnon got picked up and had to hold on to his. So I guess if it's going to pick the cows up, it's going to it's going to pick Scott McKinnon up. You, well, I'm just wondering, did is that is that the the journalist asking his weight? Because I mean, that's a bit, you know, unkind. I mean, I th- you know, I hey, he... Scott, you got picked up. Whoa, you're a big guy. What do you weigh, mate? Oh, oh, well. Had Scott been a, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> um, so, so no, I think he's. I mean, he's. A, don't go say anything about Scott McKinnon because he is. A, he is a a very. You know, very built unit. So, well, you know, 115 I mean, it was gonna, kilos. He's, yeah. He can lock trees too. I'm not going. I'm saying anything. Uh, so it, it was like something out of the Wizard of Oz. Now, listeners might be wondering why this has got something to do with uh, with two vets talk pets. They don't because, ever wonder about your articles, mate. What, not at what, all. Or what, yeah, what not. we talk about that um, is related but, but to the, the, the one, 115 kilogram tree lopper Scott McKinnon. Um, his Pomeranian called Pom Pom wasn't heavy enough to stay on the ground and flew about 300 metres away into a nearby paddock. 300 metres? 300 metres. Pom-pom got sucked up, spun around and spat out 300 metres. 300 metres. But by the sounds of it, Mr. Pom, uh, little Pom, yeah, the Pom-pom the Pomeranian is okay, but he may be able to do with some Zilkeen afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Were any cats? Like there's any mention of cats, like when when they were spun up and they land, did they land on their feet or uh, no, nothing? It, said, no, nothing doesn't cats. go into that here, other than to say that the cats are good. <laughs> We've already worked that out. We, yes, we had a deep yeah, dive yeah. Well, on that earlier. Th- th- this article only confirms that. So confirms. Um, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Gee, so, so that was some. You know, so imagine being a imagine a pomeranian. You know, um, just a tight. Yeah, so so here's here's the the big tree lopper holding on, and you know little little pom poms going flying around, yeah, you know, with with the cows out in the out in the willy willy. So imagine being imagine being sucked up yourself, and you're up there, and you're like pom pom, oh, oh, there's Daisy, whoosh. it'd be like oh, um, wishing uh, around each other. 
like, like never-ending story. Yeah, when you're trying to when you're trying trying to hold on for dear life through the through the wind. Oh, yeah, emotional stuff. But anyway, yeah. sounds like Pom Pom came through okay, but Pom Pom is still a Pomeranian. So. Pom Pom was okay. Is all good? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so so that, that article is from ABC News, from ABC Central West by Xanthi Gregory and Molly Gorman. Oh, so, good. Well, that's yeah. a better article than the last ABC article we read, Ab- mate. That's for absolutely. sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. Stick to those articles yeah. like ABC. <laughs> All right. So all advice on the show is generally in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following an advice for your pet. Do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if you missed anything or if you need any clarification. Um, Excellent. Now, now, Lewis, this is another a highbrowish sort of cerebral article that I wanted to wanted to bring to the fore, which usually isn't my forte. Do, do you um, want to do that, or do you want to do resource guarding? How you feeling? Let's go for resource guarding. <laughs> oh, no, I don't mind. It's up. Yeah, let's let's do resource. How guarding. cerebral? How cerebral are you going, mate? Oh, it's not super cerebral. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. No, it's a, it's more. Um, yeah, go go do resource guarding, and we can use this next week if you like. Just don't mind us, listener. We'll just have a little chat and in the background. On-air on air production meeting. And then, and then we'll come. We'll be back to you in just a moment when we decide what we're actually going to talk about. Oh, sorry. Welcome I've back, only, listener. So I've only just seen on here that you have actually updated the um, the run sheet. <laughs> yeah. The last time when I looked at the run sheet, you had that on there, and I thought, ah. okay, righty, I might know. I'm, I'm, I'm on talking about my article. So when we when we first started, I was sitting there going, where the hell is this article in my history? I've got to try and find it so I don't have to waste the listener's time while we're in the actual podcast trying to find it. So I found the article and I was ready to go and I hadn't realised that you put that on there. So anyway, tell and us about resource gaining. Well, look, if any of the judges from the Australian Podcast Awards are, are just happen to just drop into the middle of this episode and they're just wondering what we actually talk about, well, thank you. And uh, please yep. go earlier. We did have a little chat about swans yeah. during that was kind of, Sort of fun and relevant, yeah. but anyway, we're going to resource Thanks for your guarding. consideration, <laughs> yes, as they right. say in the if academy. You just, if you could just put us in the top one hundred, like we were a couple of years ago, that'd be really nice. Anyway, the reason I did add this resource guarding on, mate, was I, I did have a behaviour consult during the week uh, on the phone with um with a lovely couple, uh, couple who um I think that actually found me through my book. Um, oh, well, they, have you written a book? Have you? Funny you should say <laughs> that, Robbie. Tell your dog you're pregnant. An essential guide for dog owners who are expecting a baby. Thanks, Robbie, so much. Available at all good bookstores, Amazon, babyandpet.com.au. Yeah, hey, that's great. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Oh, that's right. Just, yeah, thanks for leading of, me into that. Just sort of give you a little soft, yeah, soft underarm <laughs> toss there for you, mate. To but yeah, so they, they had used my book. They had a baby about 16 sort of months ago. And uh, and obviously the book had been amazing. Unbelievable. Oh, such just a like, huge help. Yeah. I mean, a consensus of opinion, similar to the article, is Lewis's book good? Robbie and Lewis agree. Yes, it is good, but so do these owners. They thought it is really good. They, they didn't see it on the chaser, did they? <laughs> ah, all publicity is no, no, What is it? All publicity is good. Yeah, publicity. No, no, no publicity is bad publicity. Mm. Yeah. Or any Definitely. publicity is good publicity. I've, I've since realized that's not quite true. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so basically they yeah, had a baby 16 months ago and everyone became really peachy. Um, you know, they had no problems, but now the, uh, their child was a little bit old. was now a toddler, um, was starting to walk around a little bit, pull themselves up on the, on the couch and, um, around the house and up on tables and that sort of thing. Um, and the dog, unfortunately, when it had been approached resting on the couch, it actually snapped at the yeah. toddler, maybe growled at the toddler a couple of times. And, um, and also there'd been a few times, I think where the, um, 
uh, we'd growled at the owner on the couch too. So, so it was a little bit sort of, sort of going on. So they'd got in touch with me um, and, and we had a bit of chat on the phone. And I think, you know, I sort of said to them, there's a few things going on. I won't go, we won't go through the whole console because it's about an hour or so. Um, but uh, I think one of the main things I think is a little bit of a little bit of sort of resource guarding, what I like to call there going on, just that um, very uh, comfortable, uh, enjoying the bed a lot, enjoying being on the couch. You know, they talked about how it was in the sun. It was the only spot in the sun and it loved being there and it could get under a blanket and really enjoy it. Um, and, uh, and I said, look, I think, you know, it's a little bit of resource guarding. And at the same time, I did have this article sort of lined up for us to talk about at some stage, talking about resource guarding in dogs. And I thought, Excellent. Well, perfect. Well, uh, we'll shunt Robbie's article because yeah. that's the kind of nice guy I am. And, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, Give the we'll... listeners what they want, which is something interesting, not something where you go, do you have anything to talk about? No. Do you have anything to talk about? Maybe. But we promised to talk about Robbie's article coming up. So <laughs> next week. So um, resource guarding is a com- it's a relatively common behavior in do- problem beha- behavior common. problem Very in common. dogs. Yeah. It's defined as dog using avoidance, threatening, or aggressive behaviors to retain control of food or other items in front of a person or other animal. So you know, threatening. We talk you know, it talks about threatening behaviors. I guess you put perhaps growling in that as well. Avoidance would be looking away. The owner did talk about uh, you know that there were certain times when it would freeze suddenly sort of freeze on approach um, from, from owners. Um, and and, uh, and so we talked about how that was potentially some, seeing them as approaching as threatening as well. Sometimes the signs of resource guarding are subtle. In these cases, your dog may show avoidance behavior or mild signs of aggression and anxiety, such as stiff or crouch body posture. That's exactly what I said, just going stiff. Pinned back ears, lip licking, and phys- physically blocking access to the resource. I guess the most common thing we see is the resource guarding around the food bowl, which is really, yeah. really common. The aggression may escalate to more severe and overt signs of aggression, such as growling, snapping, or biting. Food and food-related items are the most common resources that are guarded by dogs. However, any resource that is valuable to the dog may be guarded. This includes, but not limited, toys, beds, furniture, bones, resting areas, and sometimes even certain people. Mm. Uh, resource guarding may have a genetic component um, and occurs in males or females of any breed. You know, it's yeah. not, not breed specific. It's not sex specific. Um, the issue can develop at any age. Um, and it's often an issue that appears and tends to get worse over time. Um, it can change. Uh, it can may suddenly appear if there's a sudden change in the environment or a change in routine or something that's going on. And I think possibly with this dog, it, it'd be uh, precipitated by the, the, the child now up and walking around and being quite, quite sort of uh, appearing to be threatening to the dog. What's well, um, a big change for it? You know, for one, all of a sudden the, thing, the kid start, is sitting there and making lots of noise and not actually doing anything. Now all of a sudden it's making noise and moving around. Exactly. And a, a lot of eye contact because they're at the right height, you know, so yes. staring and eye contact, funny movements, reaching out with hands and grabbing areas that perhaps we're not so keen on, on having too. So resource guarding does not have anything to do with dominance. So we have talked deeply about dominance before. I want to say it's episode 54 or somewhere like that a long time ago. Yep. Go to those ones. There were two of them really good. It's a common misconception that dogs show aggression or develop behavior problems because they do not understand their and in inverted commas, place in the pack. This misconception is a 
problematic because often leads to training using force and punishment to show the dog who is top dog. However, dominance in this sense has been scientifically debunked. We've been through this before. Using force and punishment in a situation like resource guarding often makes the behavior problem worse and can cause your animal to not only fear your approach, but now actually fear what you're going to do to them. Um, and can damage the the relationship you've got with the dog. What's, what's Z- also known as the C Milan approach. Ooh, wow! Look at you go, right? Only because you set me up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to successfully manage resource guarding, we must change the underlying motivation and emotion behind the behaviour which is anxiety, fear, and frustration. Studies have shown that reward-based methods are more effective and humane when managing behavior problems such as resource guarding. To a degree, resource guarding can be considered a normal canine behavior since obtaining resources is necessary for survival. However, just because it can be considered normal does not make it desirable, mm. safe, or acceptable in a household. And that Absolutely. was the problem I had that we had. You know, it was a real safety issue that, um, you know, there's, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's interesting when I talk to owners who have young children, there's all about, oh, we tell the child to leave the dog alone and that's the dog space and that sort of thing. And it's interesting that, that I reckon I put a little bit of a psychology, a human psychology hat on sometimes Ooh. saying to them, well, well, you can tell a child things, but they, and it's nice to think that they're going to listen, but there's a, a fair percentage of the time when they're not going to listen, they don't Absolutely. really understand. Yes, they don't. They don't have the the you know the frontal lobe to be able to appreciate the consequences of of, of their behaviour. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, over time, dogs may learn that their aggressive responses are effective at protecting their resources. So the behaviour will persist or even worsen. Additionally, for dogs, mild signs of aggression are ignored or punished. This can cause their behaviours to escalate to more severe forms of aggression. For example, a dog may initially show mild signs such as freezing or hunching over their resource with a stiff body posture. If this behavior is punished or ignored, the dog will likely realize subtle signs are not effective. Mm. In this situation, dogs are likely to escalate to more overt forms of aggression, such as growling, snapping, or biting. Then it becomes more challenging to manage manage and treat the issue. Um, your veterinarian can help you with resource guarding as it sometimes it can be caused by an underlying medical issue, especially if the behavior starts suddenly in an adult dog, your veterinarian will complete a thorough, a thorough physical examination and may sure request fur, further testing based on their findings, to determine if there is a medical issue. So, you know, things that you know, sort of red flag in that area are, um, arthritis in an older dog ear um, infections ear infections anal gland problems skin infections um anything that makes them a bit unwell so often so i did actually say to the owners look i need you to go back to your original vet that had a physical exam but i think we need some blood tests um they also had some other urine around urine marking around the house sorry urinating inappropriate urination around the house as well that was um i think was separation anxiety uh we didn't i didn't go into a lot of that because i've only got an hour and and there was one this problem was a little more pressing yeah let's let's do a urine sample as well and just check you know there's no kidney problems or something like that you know that, that's going on and also your vet might be able to talk about some medications um as as it sometimes resource scanning is anxiety based as mm. well so treatment and management what to do um so safety is the utmost priority and this is what i'd pushed a lot with mm. with these owners you may need to use tools such as baby gates crates or exercise pens to separate the dog from people or other pets when the object is nearby and if it's food i, I often say to owners look put the bowl in a locked room yeah, with the dog, let the dog eat their food. 
when they finish their food, open the door, let the dog out, go and take the bowl, put it away. Yeah. A lot of owners had this real perception. I should be able to go and take food from my dog. And I want to be able to go to the bowl and take food away from them. And I should be able to take it away and give it back. I'm not sure where that comes from. I don't know why we have to do that. I don't like sitting at the table, eating a Magnum ice cream and it being taken away from me. Yes. And then knowing it's going to come back. Yeah. But no, I was enjoying that. I, I want that. Why can't I just eat that? What's the problem with me just enjoying my food? So put them somewhere where they can enjoy it, where they're not going to be disturbed. You know, they're not going to that- feel threatened. They're not going to feel like they're like that they have to guard that resource. Exactly. Just exactly. let them let them enjoy the resource until the resource isn't there anymore, and then we all get along fine. And then and there's going to be no conflict. I mean, if I'm at a pub and the big, you know, some you know biker bouncer, I don't know, some a tree, big a tree lopper from Bathurst. Yes, Scott McGregor, 115 kilos, has mm-hmm. just been thrown around by a tornado, and he's at the pub just enjoying a quiet beverage after his yeah. harrowing experience. A nice forex, yes, yeah, with little pom pom in his. You know, just in his um, in his baby Bjorn on his on his yeah. front there, <laughs> and he's just in, just enjoying. It. I come in and whisk whisk that beer away from him. I'm pretty sure he's going to give me a little punch to the chops yeah. and go, "Hey, give it back!" Chances if, are he's going to he's going to guard that resource, or even worse, if you go there and you try and take his last chips from his um from his Palmer and chips, mm. you know, yeah. don't go. Bowl, his little sorry, bowl. sorry, Scott. I feel like I should be able to go up and take those last three chips from you. Exactly. Let me just take those pork scratchings. I'm going to give them back. I'll just take those away and the, and, and uh, it's not going to end well. So I don't know where this yeah. idea comes from, but anyway, so separate pets from each other when resources are nearby. Yeah. Mm. Good. It's Attempt to avoid yep. clutter in your home. So that it is possible to have more control over things. You know, you do not necessarily want to restrict access to the resource resources or take them away completely, but you do want to, control the situation so your dog can get to their resources in a way that is safe for everyone. Mm. Okay. Interesting point. Identify all situation and resources that are guarded. And this is what I was going with the owners. We had a really yep. long chat. I talked about, you know, what about with bones? What about with, um, with their the food couch. bowl? What about, yeah, the, what, yeah. what about catch? What about when they're sleeping in the bedroom? What about when they get on the bed? And, you know, we, I really do deep dive into, are there other areas? Cause often there are, I think there was a little few other red flags we sort of talked about. Um, so, so it's good to identify all those record them in a diary or, or on a calendar may be useful. Um, and you might want to record information such as, uh, when or how often it's occurring, uh, who is the dog guarding the resource from and what resources is the dog guarding and what behaviors are the dog, is the dog showing, um, you know, during, during all, or even better, just before the incident. Yes. So learn to understand and respect what your dog is telling you. Learn to recognize body language and understand how it can escalate from more mild, subtle signs of aggression, such as lip licking, stiff body posture, ears pinned back, to the overt signs of aggression, growling, snapping, biting. If we respect, and this is important, if we respect dog's body language, we that we then, when they show mild signs of anxiety and aggression, we can likely avoid the behavior becoming more severe. Uh, another point, make sure your dog gets enough exercise and play every day. Interesting mm. little interlude there. Behavior modification. All household members must follow the same guidelines to manage this behavior. It must be a collaborative effort. Here are some examples of behavior modification techniques that may be used. The drop it, um, crop, drop it cue. Uh, teach your dog to drop the item of value in exchange for a higher, higher, higher value item or treat. Mm. 
Um, relaxation exercises. This is especially helpful if resting places as or certain people are guarded by your dog. With relaxation training, you can teach your dog to relax other at, on other places than the valued resting spot or away from the person that they guard. And that's what we actually did. We set up a crate situation and said, look, we're going to start to, teaching the dog that that's where I want them to go and relax. So, you know, we're going to throw some treats in, onto the crate, onto the bed, and that's where I want them to um, uh, encourage them to go. And there's no more sort of allowance to be on that couch or that area that we're guarding. Yeah. Um, uh, this can include teaching a place behavior such as to a mat or dog bed or dog crate, which I just yep. said. Basket muzzle training. Training a dog to comfortably wear a basket muzzle can be a useful tool to restrict access to certain resources for some situations. And the basket muzzle is an interesting one because, um, you know, a lot of owners, uh, as soon as they hear the word muzzle, they're really not keen for it. Just, just barriers go up yeah. and go, yeah. nah, psh, can't do it. Yep. And that's understandable. And, you know, the, the um, it, it, is, it is something I do mention in my consults, but it's not something I push unless they come back to me and things haven't been going so well. And we then yeah. talk about, you know, um, and a lot of the talk as well is a little bit about risk versus, you know, the risk that owners are willing to take on. Mm. It's, it's, it's never really a cure for this sort of thing, but it is about trying to minimize the risk of that toddler getting injured yeah. as much as possible in their home environment. Because if you've got a dog in your house, there's never one and people get upset with this, but there's never a hundred percent risk that your dog will never bite anybody in the house there's there's always that that possibility regardless of breed regardless of past instances the number of people i I talk to on the phone who say my this is my dogs this is the first time the dog's ever bitten well yes there is so going to be if a dog bites there is always going to be the first time the dog bites and the fact that you're talking to me at that first time that's probably better than saying to me it's the 30th 30th time they've bitten so it's um, like that it's like you 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 drive your car every day you know but there's always going to be a risk there's always going to be a risk that you could be in a car accident and then once you've had it that you've had the first car accident it's not that you know it's just one of those things that can happen if you're going to drive in a car there's a chance that something can happen if you're going to have a dog there is a chance that something can happen yeah, and, and and you know, obviously, some dogs are low risk, um, and some dogs are, are high risk, and mm. so we talked about that. So you need to be be realistic about what you expect from your dog and what you can handle in specific situations. So that is about the risk as well. Um, in rare and severe cases of resource guardian aggression, euthanasia may be considered a humane option for both the dog's welfare and human safety. Mm. And and a lot of people jump up and down about that, um, but unfortunately, um, I do rarely, but sometimes recommend euthanasias for for severe behaviour problems um, in in what I consider to be very high risk situations, mm. and even where rehoming the dog is um, is, a risky uh, is, is yeah exactly you know and it's, it's, it's there's a whole multitude of factors that go into my decisions for that it's not just ring me on the phone let's talk for a minute and go yeah right eh. Yep. Bring down. That's it. You know, it's as, uh, and, and, um, there are just some dogs that unfortunately are just too high risk and, and just too dangerous in, mm. in, in any home environment. What not to do treatment and management. Do not use force or punishment to attempt to correct this behavior. Do not attempt to remove the resource of value from your dog as this could lead to injury. Your dog's resource guarding behavior may never diminish completely resulting in long-term management to reduce the behavior. Prevention and avoidance. Expose puppies to a wide range of toys and encourage them to share by calmly exchanging toys during play. Awesome. So that's re- that's really important that um, that if you are going to, you know, you want to be able to take that toy away, you need to be giving something 
uh, to else. replace that that's yep. potentially more highly valued, similar or more highly valued. So we yep. don't sort of think, oh, you took away my favourite toy. What's going on? An exchange. Uh, yeah. An exchange yeah. rather than a taking away. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, and with the food bowl stuff, my preference is you just either don't go near the food bowl or when they're young, if you want to, as you walk near the food bowl, you're dropping something really tasty in that food bowl. You're dropping a big, you know, a little chunk of cheese or something mm. as you walk past. Or so they go, Oh, hang on, Lewis approaching my bowl. That's amazing. I get some really cool stuff in there. So that's yeah. that's a reason to to for, for me to not be concerned with him approaching it at all. Uh train verbal cues such as drop it, trade, or leave it using positive reinforcement. Enforcement training before resource guarding develops. Provide your dog with a safe, comfortable space such as crate or exercise pen that is only for your dog. It is important to not play with your dog's food or put your hand in the bowl while eating. It is always important to add something like a special treat when humans are in close proximity to the bowl. Wow. That must there you have been go. Listening to me. The treatment of resource guarding needs to be highly individualized for each dog and household. These dogs often need a combination of behavioral modification, training, and environmental and management causes, and also sometimes medication as well. So that's a fantastic article. It's from uh, Vet. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's as good as, it wasn't as good as what my one was going to be, but it was all right. Fair call, fair call. Next week, <laughs> next week we can be the judge. We can we can uh, we can do a consensus of opinion. And if we don't agree. We can do some egg and spoon races. Spoon uh, races the next day. To yes. meet, when we're allowed to meet up. Um, so <laughs> it, is, it is from uh, is from veterinary partner by Samantha Zerlidden, who's a veterinary student uh, for the class of 2023. So oh, very go. impressive article there for somebody who's not even graduated. Really, really yeah. good information. Um, you might be able to find it online. It's veterinary partner um by by vin resources. So Excellent. there you go. So if you got any questions, uh send us an email. Let us know. Vets. Talk yep. pets. If your dog's got some resource guarding, let us know what you've done to uh, to um, stop them from um, or from to help them out and to to help manage the behaviour in your household. Absolutely. Um, we're also on Instagram. We're on uh, on uh, Patreon. What else on? Patreon. Facebook. Patreon. Yep. Facebook. The Talk Talk. Um, anything else you on? What are you on, mate? You on anything new this week? No, You're always, yeah. always joining up. Carrier pigeons this week, I think. Right. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just tie a, I just tie a little message to the leg of a pigeon and then just let it go, and just right. see, see, see where it ends up. Oh no, that's right. You, house party. Robbie's on house party. If you house, house party, am get I? Get on house awesome. party. He'll, he'll do a group chat with you. So nice. check him out there. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, underscore. Not yeah, underscore not, on not, there. Not not, not uh, Ronald Anderson. That's the wrong one. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely Robbie. All righty, excellent cool. guys. Scratch you later. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle. <laughs>